We've been studying in Samson and in Judges, and we've seen this pattern over and over again with the Israelites. They would rebel against God. God would send a judge, a rescuer, to, to bring them back to him to maybe um, defeat their enemies in some way, and then they would come back to God, and then what would happen is they would do it all over again. And it's a pattern we see in our own lives so many times is that we just, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result, right? Sometimes when I look at my own life, I go, man, I must be insane because I keep doing the same stupid things over and over and over again, and I expect something else to happen. You know, the, really, I, I, the only thing I've been able to, to find to break that, that cycle in my life of doing stupid things is to, to listen to what God has to say to me in prayer and in, in his word. That's, that's the only place I've been able to find any kind of wisdom. I can't find it within myself. I have to look to him. Turns out every time I think that I know something, it, it turns out it's, it's just ridiculous. Then I go and I, I see some glimmer of something that God shows us in his word. I'm like, man, that is genius. That is wisdom beyond anything I could possibly comprehend. And it'll be, you know, two words. Jesus wept, and it'll just rock me to my core. And I'm I, like, the power of two words out of his word compared to the, the wisdom I think that I've acquired, maybe even through, you know, the, the 41 years of life. Man, it's just like, it's so superficial compared to the depth of God's word and the wisdom that is contained within this book that we so often ignore. But the people of Israel would have looked at the life of Samson, they would have seen themselves in so many ways. When we look at Samson, we see our lives. That's the reason I enjoy going through pages of the Old Testament is because I look at this stuff and I go, man, this is real life. This is what we deal with. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not going out and, and killing Philistines with a, a, a donkey's jawbone. I'm not doing that, but I tell you what. Samson, man, he's got the power of the Holy Spirit and, and God just wells up inside of him. He's able to do some powerful things and you're like, no human being should be able to do these things. And then what do you see? Him making the next stupid decision, right? The supernatural power of God exists within us and so many times we experience that. We come in here and the power of God is in this place and, and man, we feel like we're on top of the world and the Holy Spirit of God is welled up inside of us and we go right outside those doors and we're back to doing the very same thing we did before we walked in those doors. Am I right? Or am I the only one that feels that way? I mean, I struggle with it just like you do. But man, we've got to learn from this word. This word has so much power and so much richness. One of the reasons we go back and we read things that happened 2,000 years ago or, or even you know, 2,500, 3,000 years ago sometimes is because we need to learn from our mistakes and we need to learn from the mistakes of other people. What is it the one thing that teenagers, your parents say? Say, man, I don't want you to have to go through the same junk that I went through, Right? I don't want you to have to endure the same mess that I had to endure when I was your age. And they try to pour wisdom into you, and they try to tell you you're making dumb decisions, you're making a stupid mistake, and what do you say? Parents, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't have any clue what it's like to live like me. You don't have any clue what it's like to live in the generation that I live in. You know why I know that you say that? Because I said the same thing to my parents. You are clueless. You don't know what it's like. Look at how you dress. You obviously don't know anything about anything that's happened in the last 20 years. And let me tell you something, students. 
Your parents do have a lot of wisdom. And if you can break down those walls for just a minute, if you can, you know, put your pride aside and your ego aside for just a second and stop looking at your parents' clothes and actually listen to what they're telling you, you'd be surprised at how much wisdom they really do have and how much they can pour into you. It's the reason we have small group leaders, too. You've got some adult leaders that are trying to help you and trying to help you understand and trying to help you see. I mean, that's their whole point as a small group leader is to help you see what they've endured themselves. And that's the reason we have small groups as adults, right? To go, we're not alone. We're all struggling in this thing together. I screwed up, but don't screw up like me, right? We try to pour into each other that way. So we see... Sorry, I don't mean to get off on that soapbox, but it's something we need to hear. I mean, I know it's hard, y'all. I get it. It's hard for me, too. i got to do this thing together, and we've got to believe that, you know, God has got real wisdom for us, and he's trying to pour it into us, and he's put other believers in our lives so that iron can sharpen iron, and we've got to listen to the voice of God. We've got to listen to him. What do we see so many times over and over in Judges? They went back to their old ways. They went back to doing what they wanted to do. And that's, that's when everything gets messed up. You know, when I get messed up, it's when I go back to doing what I want to do. The closest times I have to God is when I come up here and say, you know what, God's told me that we need to do this. Let's do this again. And, and I'm just like, I'm just going to respond to whatever God's telling me to do, it, regardless of how crazy it may look or how idiotic you may think that I am. We're just going to do this. And then I'll go right back out there and I'll stop listening to God and His Holy Spirit and I'll listen to myself and I'll make stupid mistake after stupid mistake. And I'm like, why is this happening? I don't understand. God's speaking in my ear the whole time. I'm telling you. I'm telling you what you need to do. You read in my word what you needed to do. So we read about Samson. What has he done, man? He's... he's, Killed a lion. I mean, let's talk about the bad things that's happened in Samson's life. So first of all, his parents were very godly people. They actually saw the angel of the Lord. Angel of the Lord came. They said, all right, what do we need to do to raise up this child? He became a Nazarite. Can't touch any dead thing. Can't have any drink from the vine. So it means he can't have any wine or alcohol, that kind of thing. And uh, he's not supposed to cut his hair, right? So he took a Nazarite vow as a kid. That's how he was supposed to be raised up. Well, Samson... Makes a lot of prideful, egotistical decisions in his life. Kills a lion on his way to go meet some chick that's uh, a Philistine. God's trying to put some division between the Israelites and the Philistines because they've gotten so comfortable intermingling between the two groups. The Philistines worship other gods. The Israelites worship the one true God. And that's a problem when you intermix the two. And here, what, what's happening? Samson, he's gone to find a woman because she's really pretty. She's a Philistine. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with her. Mom, Dad, go get her for me. She's the one I want to marry. And what happens, man? Things get all messed up. He kills a lion on the way, so he goes back later on. He goes back to see his wife, and turns out what has happened. Well, the dad gave her away to the best man. Samson gets angry, right? And he starts killing people. And then he goes off and... The, the Israelites come back and they're like, hey, you can't be killing the Philistines. They're oppressing us and they're going to take it out on us. Every time you kill them, they're going to try to kill us. So let's not do that anymore, Samson. He's like, fine, turn me over to them then. So they turn Samson over, 
What does he do? He gets enraged again. Kills a bunch of Philistines again. This is not helping the situation at all, is it? Samson, he's got an anger problem. He's got some anger management issues. Am I right? He needs to go to an anger management class. If he worked at Honda, this would not be acceptable behavior. Am I right? So, so I don't know if it's a virtue or not that he's tearing lines in half. I guess that's a virtue. I'm not really sure, but he's got an anger management issue. He's chasing after women, which seems to be a common theme in, in Samson's life that we're going to read about here in just a second. Um, his, his, he goes after this, this one woman that's going to be his wife. It turns out she sells him out to the Philistines, and, and he ends up, he's got a gambling problem too because he's gambling uh, some clothes with these other guys and say, if you can figure out this riddle kind of thing, then, uh, then I'll give you some clothes. You can't figure it out, you give me some clothes. So I don't know if he's got bad fashion sense or not, but I know he's got a gambling issue. He's just making all kinds of bad decisions, right? Well, he's enraged. He's already killed some, some more Philistines. And uh, here we're going to start in chapter 16. Uh, our, our kids' department, bless their hearts. They've been studying St- Samson and, and uh, Jonathan, one of our kids, goes, man, when are they going to gouge his eyes out, you know? Like, we're... We're ready for that, you know. We've been going through Samson for a while now. Can we just gouge his eyes out and get this over with? No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, we're only going to go in verse six, in chapter 16 through verse 22 today, so we've still got the end of chapter 16. We're going to break this up into two different weeks. So God bless the, kid, the women and the men back there teaching the kids' department. So uh, Tony said that he's got to teach next week. Am I right, Tony? So let's read what Tony's got to teach next week, beginning in chapter 16. It says, One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Good luck, Tony. That's the first verse of chapter 16. Tony's got to teach that to the kids next week. All right, good luck. He said he was going to, he's going to tell them. So Samson went to the wrong part of town to have a sleepover. It's a good word, Tony. It's a word from the Lord right there, ain't it? I don't know if they got a PG version of the Bible, but I don't, it's what you need, right? So Samson, I don't know if you notice, Samson's got an issue here with women. Um, and, and this is a Philistine prostitute on top of that, but anyway, he's got a thing for Philistine women apparently, so... Anyway, so I don't even know what to say. He went to Gaza, spent the night with a prostitute. Okay, going on, verse 2. Word soon spread that Samson was there, so the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of morning comes, we will kill him. So they're hanging out at the gate going, you know what? When he wakes up, we're going to take Samson out. Now, I don't understand this, okay, like, you talk about the definition of insanity being the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. Have they tried to kill Samson before? How did that work out for him? Not so well, right? Like, all he needed was, like, a, a donkey's face, and he, like, wiped out everybody. You know what I mean? Like, I would be going, hey, y'all, maybe we should not try to kill Samson. You know, that's what I'd be saying. Like, maybe we could get him to fall into a pit or something, and we could just pull throw rocks on him or something like that. But this idea that we're going to hang out the gate and we're going to kill Samson, I'd be going, no, I'm going to go to bed. Because it's like 9.30 and 
Now, because I, I, I heard rumor about how this went before. I'm not in on this, this little thing. So, but that's all right. They're Philistines. Whatever. Not very wise people, apparently. But Samson stayed in bed until midnight. Not going to go there. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the post, and lifted them up, bar and all, and he set them on his shoulders and carried them away to the top of the hill across from Hebron. So, <laughs> does anybody have a funny picture in their mind? So these guys are waiting outside the gates. We're going to kill Samson. I've got a great idea, y'all. We're going to wait till he wakes up, and we're going to kill Samson. So Samson goes out to the gates, picks them up from the post and everything, and carries them out to a hill and goes, boom, sets them down and goes, all right, y'all ready? Come on. I mean, they've been standing behind the gates, and Samson just tore them out of the ground. I'd be going, yeah, it's 945, y'all. It's getting real late. Oh, whoo, need, to get, need to get on to bed. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what these guys are thinking. And it just, it just leaves it there. I mean, like, I, I, don't know, I don't know if these guys went away. I don't know if they got tired. I don't know if they tried to take him on and they got wiped out. I don't know, but it just says he took the gates and put them on a, another hill and that's it. That's the end of the story. That's pretty cool. And why is this in the Bible? Because when somebody tears the gates out of the ground, you just you write it down because that's pretty cool. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. Oh, Samson. Let me guess. She's a Philistine, right? Man, he, does, he's not, he doesn't learn, does he? Bless his heart. Which, by the way, do you remember the end of uh, chapter 15 of Judges? What did he do? He, he, he cried out to the Lord because he was thirsty, right? And God brought forth water. You remember that? And, uh, and he was very satisfied. You know, like, so, so at the end of chapter 15, he's, he's crying out to God because he's thirsty. God's being faithful to him, bringing water forth so that he can drink and not be thirsty. And what do we see at the beginning of chapter 16? He's going to see a prostitute at the very beginning. Do you think he cried out to God for a decision on that one? Hey, God, do you think I should go and visit this prostitute or not? Do you think that's a bad thing or not? I'm not really sure. I think he probably knows the answer he would have gotten. Am I right? So at the, at the end of chapter 15, he's going to God asking for, for help. 16, he's going to visit a prostitute. Do you see a pattern in his life between going to God when he needs help versus when he would want to do his own thing? He goes and makes his own decision and lives his own life. Thank goodness none of us in here struggle with that at all, right? We get sick. We got a broken relationship. We got something going on in our lives. God, fix this, please, God. I'm in, a, I'm in a deep situation financially. I don't know what to do. God, please help, please help, please help. God, maybe he sends help. Maybe he provides something that the situation changes. Things are good, and we're like, okay, good. Now I'm going to go back and do whatever I was doing before. Thanks, God. High five. I appreciate the Jesus pill. I'm going to go on and do the thing that I, needed to, I wanted to do in the first place. So, here he is, once again. Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Samson was in love? Samson's got a struggle with love, it seems like. Am I right? There seems to be a difference between love and lust in Samson's life, and I'm not sure, really sure that he's figured out which is which. Right, you think I'm right on that? 
it probably would be more accurate to say that Samson fell in lust with a woman named Delilah. That's probably what you could interpret from the pattern of Samson's life. He lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong. This may have been some of the guys that sent word back about him taking the gates up and putting them on a different hill. The man said, hey, he's really strong. I don't know if y'all figured that out by now, but he is. You might want to find out why. So the rulers go, Delilah, tell us why, see if you can figure out why he's so strong. How can he, he be overpowered and tied up securely? Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, I don't know if you understand how much money this is, but this is a lot of money. If each one of the leaders were to give her 1,100 pieces of silver, this would make her a very, 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 very rich woman, okay? Now, I know we get down on Delilah a lot, and I got why you're down on Delilah, but you got to admit, when somebody says, you know, hey, I'll give you a million dollars to go do so-and-so, you at least give it a thought. You at least go, that's a lot of money, y'all. I, I at least need to put down a list of pros and cons, you know, I, I, two columns, good and bad, and then, and then let's go and figure out which is more on which column. But, I mean, we get down on Delilah a lot, and I'm not saying that, you know, she's not in hell or whatever, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it's a lot of money. And she was going, wow, that's a lot of money. So anyway... So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Now, hasn't he been through this before? Some woman that's trying to entice him to, to fess up some stuff. Samson, come on, dude. Like, you've been through this before. You saw what happened last time with the clothes, man. Don't you know? This don't turn out well. I mean, it's like every time you sleep with a Philistine woman, something bad happens. Won't you stop that? So here he's, he's got this woman trying to entice him to tell him some stuff. I don't understand why Samson doesn't learn. Like, look, I can't be telling Philistine woman, women secrets. They're not really good at keeping secrets. Once again, they got a woman who's a Philistine who's probably really hot, and, and she's trying to get him to, to tell her some secrets. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven. Uh, excuse me. Samson replied... If I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that had not yet been dried, I would become weak as anyone else. And so you remember he did this last time. Like he would, he would give some kind of false statement and like, well, let's see if she's actually going to try to sell me out. This is what's interesting to me. You want to talk about the definition of insanity here. Look at what happened. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven bowstrings and tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it's burned by a fire. Okay, good illustration. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Hey, Samson, who do you think tied you up with the bowstrings? Who would have gotten this idea that you needed to be tied up with bowstrings? Maybe it was the lady that you told that if you tie me up with bowstrings, I'll be as weak as anyone else. I don't want to say that Samson's mind was clouded by the woman's beauty, 
But maybe his mind was clouded by the woman's beauty because she's obviously trying to kill him. I mean, I, I don't even, I, I mean, I read this story and I'm like, Samson, she's trying to kill you, man. Don't you know? Afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. <laughs> now, please tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson's probably going, now, why in the world would you want to know that? I have no idea. Last time I told you, you tried to tie me up that way. Huh, what could you be up to now? Maybe he's just really dumb. I don't know. God may have given him a lot of strength, but maybe he, didn't, he was lacking in the wisdom department. I don't know. Samson replied, if I'm tied up with... Um, sorry, I got, got lost. Samson replied, if I were tied up with new, new ropes that have never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes, tied him up with them, and the men were hiding in her room as before. Delilah cried, Samson, the Philistines will come to capture you. But again, Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. Is anybody seeing a pattern here, or is it just me? I tell her how I can be defeated. She tries to kill me that way. Let's do this again. One more time. You know, third time's a charm. Let's, let's try it again. Then Delilah said, <laughs> you know, it may have just been her nagging. I talked to you before about how this woman's nagging just broke him down once time, one time before his lady was going to be his wife. You know, she just kept on and on and on. And he finally just like, even this strong man couldn't take it anymore. He was like, enough's enough. Fine, I'll tell you. I give up. Delilah said, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. No joke. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, If you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric of your loom and tighten it with a loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into fabric. Wow, that must have taken a long time, by the way. Then she tightened it with a loom shuttle and cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. So he's actually getting a little closer here, right? Can you see how she's breaking him down? Now he's to the hair. He's like, okay, it really has something to do with my hair. So she's getting a little bit closer. I don't know if she knows she's getting a little bit closer, but I know that she continues to nag. So Delilah pouted, how can you tell me I love you? <laughs> That's the woman card, right? But you said you love me, and yet you continue to tease me and make fun of me and tell me lies but you said you love me. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? Isn't that what was happening? I mean, come on, Samson. We've been through this before. Like, you got to tell me your secrets. We can't have any secrets between us, right? There's no secrets between us. Yeah, but you try keep trying to kill me. I feel like we should probably keep some stuff between us because, you know, you keep trying to have me killed, so that's bad, and I don't like being dead, so let's not... Have all of our stuff out in the open here. But, you know, poor Samson. He just, you've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging. <laughs> I didn't write that, okay? It's in your book, too. I didn't write that. And day after day until he was sick to death of it. <laughs> All right, let us pray.
No, I'm just kidding. And the Lord said, Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, she con- he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. What's Delilah going to do? Anybody got a guess? Okay. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers uh, returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lured Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then he called a man man to shave seven locks of hair. Uh, In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. Now, did he not realize that he'd actually told her the truth this time? I don't know. I mean, like, every other time that she has shouted the same thing, uh, she's tried to have him killed, and here he's told her the truth. Of course, he probably has to realize she's going to try to have him killed again. And this time he told her the truth. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Now you may say to yourself, okay, so what's going on here? So Samson had made mistake after mistake after mistake, and he had trusted this woman, and he had made a mistake by trusting this woman. We can all admit that, and we can all admit that he had gone back to his lustful ways, and and once again, a woman has been able to entice him. And, And so she finally gets to the point where she gets the truth out of him, and he tells her the truth, and he probably knows in the back of his mind that this is his demise, that he's really kind of messed up the ultimate time this time. And sure enough, that's what's happened. That because his hair has been shaven. Now, why did, why did God choose to, to say his strength is gone now when he had done other things to violate the Nazarite law? I don't know exactly. I've got my suspicions that this is finally the straw that broke the camel's back. He had done, he'd done other stuff, but yeah, he never shaved his head. And this is how he had kept his little glimmer of connection with God and the Nazarite commitment that had been made for him and that he had made in his life. That even in the midst of all these other things that he had done wrong, he'd still had this little glimmer of connection with God that he had kept true. He was flippant with God's loss, and he he really did not pay attention to the the boundaries that God had set for him, except for in this one area. And then finally, finally that one area got taken away. He had given that over to somebody else. That, That one area that he had kept sacred between him and God, he gave that to somebody else. And then what happened? He was able to be defeated. In our lives, man, in our lives, we, we, we got things that go on in our lives, and I know we mess up all the time, and I know that, 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 that we feel like we can never be reconnected with God. I know that we feel like, man, that I've done something to break the, camel's, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back this time. There's nothing I can do to repair this relationship with God that has gone so far downhill. Maybe you've given yourself away to somebody, and maybe it's somebody that didn't, didn't deserve you. Or maybe you've been unequally yoked with somebody who, who is not a Christian. 
And you think, man, I have finally done it. I have finally done this thing that's going to destroy my relationship with God. And there's no way that God could forgive me. And there's no way that God could love me like he used to. Well, I want to tell you something. The picture of the cross is completely different. The picture of the cross is one that says nothing can separate us from the love of God. The power of hell cannot do it. There's no evil that exists that can do it. There's no thing that you can do to separate yourself from the love of God. You're never too far gone. You've never done too much. And even though Samson had messed up, and even though he, he had really messed up in a big way finally, he had finally given over the last thing that was supposed to, to, to be part of his Nazarite connection with God. Even though he would given over that last thing, I want you to know something. It says that his eyes were gouged out. He suffered the, the repercussions of his sin. He suffered the repercussions of letting himself go. His eyes were gouged out. He was captured. And he was sent to grind the grain for the Philistines. You remember the Philistines where he had gone and he had, he had burned up their, their vineyards and, and all their grain fields. And he had just, he had just done all this stuff to destroy their food and, and the way that they would sustain themselves. Well, now he's having to, to grind the grain for them. That was his punishment. A reminder of what he had done to attack them. And now they're showing him who's boss. And maybe you feel like that in your life. Then maybe you've done something really bad. Maybe you have done something to, to really damage that relationship with God. Maybe you've messed up in a big way. Well, I want you to see something. At the end of this little passage that we just read, it said, even though in the midst of him having to suffer and endure these hardships as a result of what he had done, his hair began to grow back. A representation of the faithfulness of God, a representation of the fact that, yes, you messed up, but it's not forever. There's still a chance for you. There's still a chance for you to come back to me. So your hair is not gone forever. Your hair is still going to grow back. This relationship with God is still going to continue. You've still got an opportunity, Samson. And I'm sure as his hair began to just peek through, as he's grinding grain for the Philistines, I'm sure there must have been a glimmer of hope for him that the power of God has not completely left me. There's still a chance for me. There's still an opportunity for me to represent God in my life. There's still a chance that God's not done with me yet. I want you to know that the cross of Christ represents that for all of us. As I, as I think about this, I couldn't help in my mind to go over to 1 John. This is a message that we heard from Jesus. Now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we're lying to ourselves if we have fellowship with God, but no living spirit, spiritual, but, are, but go on living in spiritual darkness, we are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins, but if we confess our sins, this is the turning point. This, this is the but in the story. If we'll stop right here and we'll listen to the rest. But if we'll confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unwickedness. It's your opportunity. It's your chance. 
It's your chance. You've got to first recognize your sin and recognize the place that you're in. If you try to ignore it, if you, if you try to just, just glaze over it and say, I haven't really done anything bad. My relationship with God is not really that bad. He says you're living a lie. You're living a lie. But if you'll pause for a moment and recognize the sin that you live in, if you'll pause for a minute and recognize the deep, desperate need you have for the loving Savior that He is, He is faithful and just to cleanse you, to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, from all wickedness. I can only suspect that that must have been what happened in Samson's life. That he was there grinding grain and maybe suffering this terrible hardship with his eyes gouged out and I'm sure that was painful and I'm sure that he could no longer see and he was indeed living in darkness. I think God had to allow him to live in darkness for him to, to see how desperately he needed God and to see how good he had it in this relationship with God and how God had empowered him before and now he was living in total darkness. But as he reached up, you could feel his hair begin to grow back. A reminder of the faithfulness God and he's still there he's still close by and there's still a chance there's still a chance for you and you in your life no matter what you've done where you've gone maybe you're in a place where you're grinding grain and it's very difficult for you maybe you feel like your eyes are gouged out and maybe you're living in darkness let me tell you you've got a chance you've got a chance to confess your sins you've got a chance to come to God and say you know what God I know that I've got a chance with you because you show that through the power of your son, Jesus Christ, and you show that through the cross. But I've got to come to you. I've got to recognize where I am, and I've got to come to you. He hasn't left you. He's not forsaken you. He's not gone too far. You've not gone too far. The chance is still there for you. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much. God, for the grace that exists in the cross of Christ. Lord, I know that Samson made a lot of decisions on his own, apart from you. God, where he was seeking after his own lustful desires, where he was seeking his own will for his own life, and God, he turned his back on you and so many decisions that he made. Lord, and I know that he suffered the consequences of those decisions. I know that the, the sin in his life ended up taking him over, and he fell into the hands of the enemy as a result of what he had done. But this is what I know, that his hair began to grow back, that you had not left him. You were right there where you had always been. Even when he had sinned against you and you were there to bring forth water because he was thirsty, God, you were still there, God, strengthening him little by little as his hair began to grow. And there was still a chance for him to glorify you with his own life. God, but it's all about turning to you. In our lives, God, we've done so many things. There are people here God, I, I, I don't know what everybody's done, but God, you do. You do. You know, you know the situation in their life, and God, you know how bad they're struggling. You know the condition that they're in right now. And maybe they're living in darkness, and, and maybe they're suffering the consequences of their sin. And maybe they're feeling the guilt and the anxiety and the weight and the pressure of all the things that they've done before. Well, God, I know that you can, be, you can set them free. I know that they can be set free. God, but they have to come. They have to come to you. They have to recognize that you're still with them. They have to recognize the place that they've been in. Then there are some, Father, I believe, that are here in this place. And God, they have come to you and asked for forgiveness. God, but they've never fully been uh, allowed themselves to be set free. 
It's not that you haven't set them free. They haven't allowed themselves to be set free. Well, God, I pray it in their mind today. God, they would be set free. Because in their hearts they've been set free, I pray that in their mind they would be set free. God, we know that you're the only one that has the power to do that. God, I pray that we might just close our eyes today. We might bow to you today and say, God, set me free. I confess who you are. I confess where I am. And I know that I need you. God, I need you to rescue me and save me, but I also need you to save me from myself. God, the thoughts that I have, the things that I put on myself, God, I need you to rescue me from those things. So Lord Jesus, no matter where the people are in this place, God, I pray that we cry out to you today. I pray that the the message of Samson is rang true in our hearts and we just see, God, we see the power of God through your message. Thank you so much for this precious word. I pray that we respond to you now as the Holy Spirit leads. In Jesus' name. Stand.